Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, welcome back. In case you missed it, last week I have a new program launching. I am so excited about this, you guys. It's called the Divorce Survival Program. It is basically one-stop shopping for all your divorce needs. So if you are getting divorced, if you're starting the divorce process, you know, even if you are considering it, but you're kind of divorce curious, like, what does it all mean? How does it all work? This is the program for you. It is, like I said, one-stop shopping, which means that I have so much information packed into this program. I have interviews with all of the top divorce professionals that you know and love, including Susan Guthrie, Christina McGee, talking to your about talking to your kids, Sean Lehman talking about your money, Rhonda Nordyke talking about women's financial wellness, Eric Broder, our favorite legal expert, talking about understanding the legal process. And on and on and on it goes. And then, I mean, I don't even know at this point, 25, 30 videos and modules of me sharing my insight and information. So here's the deal. This program will be available to those who are on the waiting list only on October 1st. And people who are on the waiting list, now that's, if you're listening to this on the date of release, that's tomorrow. (laughs) So um, so get on this. If you're listening to this later, then don't even worry about it. It's still available to you. But if you're able to get on the waiting list, you will get a special price, special discount, $100 off. You know, as always, I really try to keep my programs low price and accessible. So this program is, look, I'm not going to be like make up some magic number about like what it's actually worth. It's worth thousands, but it is priced at $497, which for the amount of information and education about divorce is an insanely low price. And if you're on the waiting list, you get $100 off that plus a couple of extra special bonus gifts. So in the show notes is the link to get on the waiting list. So you want to you want to do that. It's also the first link in my Instagram bio. So if you follow me on Instagram, head over to my bio. My Instagram is at the Divorce Survival Guide. Um, if you're not following me on Instagram, what? Head on over there wherever you can. Click on that link. Get on the waiting list so that you get sp- first dibs and special pricing for uh, the Divorce Survival Program. Now, on to today's episode. Today, I have with me Kendra Allen. You know her on Instagram as your breakup bestie, and if you don't, you need to follow her. Um, She's a coach, a confidant, a best friend, and a support for women everywhere going through heartbreak. After going through a series of unhealthy relationships and tough breakups in her 20s, Kendra dedicated herself to figuring out what it takes to go through a breakup with dignity, grace, and growth. And now it's Kendra's mission in life to help women like you see breakups or divorces, hello, not as an end, but as a beautiful opportunity to get to know yourself, love yourself, and rediscover what you want and deserve in a relationship. I love Kendra. She's one of those people that I've been following on Instagram for a long time. And I was like, I love the way she does it. I love the way she does her Instagram posts because she has all these captions. They're really digestible, really interesting. And then we connected and we just got along like a house on fire. So as is always the case or usually the case. So without further ado, here is my conversation with your breakup bestie, Kendra Allen.
Kendra, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about and being our like collective breakup bestie. Yes. Well, thank you, Kate, for having me on. I'm so excited to to chat. Yeah, me too. So, all right, breakups. I love, you know, I think we should just first talk about your Instagram, which is when I met you, met you. <laughs> I started following you. That's when I fell in love with you, was watching yeah. your Instagram because you just always have the best advice and insight, right? And there are things that are, that feel, I don't want to say obvious to some, but also like the traps that women fall into all the time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting you say that. Cause I, it, that's the thing. Like, I don't necessarily feel like anything I ever post is I'm not here to like blow anyone's mind and yeah, <laughs> I'm not here to like reinvent the wheel. I'm literally just here to like be that best friend who's like telling you what you need to hear, not necessarily what you want to hear and being that like reinforcement accountability, just a new way of looking at things maybe. Yeah. Right. Really refreshing to be honest. Right. So you started this because you had gone through what? Tell, tell, us, tell us a little bit about your background and your story and how you got into this, the breakup space. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's interesting. I'd always been in the coaching space. I was a um, fitness coach, personal trainer in like, I got, when I was 18, I got that, did that through my early twenties. Then I moved into recovery coaching in my mid twenties. So it's like, I think I've just always been on this earth to, to coach other Mm -hmm. people and, you know, kind of throughout, throughout my journey. I, I mean, I've had, I've just, I just had really rough relationships. I will say mm. when I was 18, I fell in love with a man who ended up being a narcissist and was in like this really abusive relationship for three years, had no idea what a narcissist was until maybe a few years, you know, three, four years ago. Yeah. Um, right. And you're like, oh, that's yeah. what that, oh, <laughs> right. Like, oh, okay. You just described my whole relationship and I've never talked to you before. So, um, I was in that. And then I struggled with drugs and alcohol for all through my teens, early twenties. Luckily I got sober when I was 21. And I thought, I remember (laughs) having this thought of like, oh, now that I'm sober, I'll be a great person. Like I'll be great in relationships, you know, just (laughs) taking that away. Totally not true at all. Well, there's like all of these underlying conditions that go into that, first of all, right? Yeah. And then there's there's the relationship aspect of all of it. So yeah, totally. Yeah. So I was in the beginning of sobriety, I was the person that like moved in with people, right? You know, I was just like (laughs) so fast moving, Mm -hmm. went for people that were, that like weren't available. Mm Mm-hmm pretty clearly like unavailable. So I just, I feel like I just went through these like string and I just was going, I went through so many breakups and then it got to a place where in my mid twenties, I finally found like a healthy relationship. And then after a year and a half, he broke up with me. He broke up with me because he was never quite sure on marriage and the relationship was getting to a place where like Marriage That's, was probably was, starting to become inferred. Yeah. And he's just like, I, I don't think I can be the one that gives you gives you a ring. Mm. And it was it was a completely crushing blow for me. It was the first, I would say like first serious relationship that I had sober. I didn't have like I just didn't have the normal things. And I, sure. you know, I was like working, <laughs> I was working on myself in other ways. So it was like. I don't have drugs or alcohol to turn to. I'm not going to, I I was like, I know I can't go sleep it away with someone else. Like I just right. started realizing like I, there's all these things that I would normally turn to that I can't. Right. Right. So that's when I, I really just made this decision that I was going to figure out how to do this in a new way for me, new way mm-hmm. for me, not like revolutionary, just a new way for me where I was going to 
go to therapy and like talk to other people and sit with the pain and not just try to like jump out of it. So I remember even like if I knew anyone that had gone through a breakup recently or had gone through a divorce, I called them and I was like, can I, can you please get coffee with me? I just Mm want to talk. And I just became a sponge. If someone said, oh, this book helped. It was like on my phone, instantly ordering from Amazon. I just became a sponge. I did anything anyone suggested. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm still, I'm actually usually, I'm still that way. I'm like such a sponge. I'm like, I'll try anything one time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, so I started piecing this together and I started feeling better and I started finally, like I healed, I tell people, I think I healed five breakups in that one. I finally Mm -hmm. went through like these patterns that I have. Why do I have these patterns? I have these beliefs. Like it's just, it just took it layer by layer down to the root for me. Mm -hmm. And I think because I was really vocal about my breakup and just the healing process, people just started noticing that I was doing better. And Mm -hmm. so I kind of just became that like friend that everyone came to, to get breakup advice. And then I started looking on online at the, and I'm sure, I'm sure you've come across many of these. I started looking online of like, what's available to people going through breakups. And all I saw was like, how to get over your ex in 28 days, how to get your ex back. Mm -hmm. Just like all this really gimmicky kind of stuff. And so I started, I'd always been, like I said, in the coaching space, the writing space, I just started writing. Like I wrote a couple articles for elite daily on breakups and And I was like, I think this is something that's needed. So I started the Instagram in 2017 as as really just like an outlet for me to to talk about something that I was becoming more and more passionate about. And then it's really just evolved from there. And it's taken off. I'm like looking up your... So we've got 43 and a half thousand followers later. Yeah, (laughs) which is very mind blowing to me. I mean, right? 43,000 followers, y'all. So obviously people are, first of all, need this information and they're turning to you to get it. So how do you get over a breakup? Everyone wants to know. Yeah. Right? I'm trying to think of like an overarching thing (laughs) to say. (laughs) I think the overarching thing theme of how you get over a breakup is you got to feel the pain. Like you have to feel the discomfort. You got to process the pain. You got to process the feelings. But I think it's all about- Nobody likes to hear that. No one likes to hear that. Right. I think the question, I always say this, is like, if you're asking me how to get over your ex, what you're really asking me is how do I avoid feeling the pain? Yeah. That's really what you're asking, right? How do I get to the other side quickly? Mm -hmm. And that unfortunately is not the, that's not the answer. It's not. And it's actually really interesting. I, I think that's why, like, I hear what you said a lot about like my Instagram being like a breath of fresh air. I don't think people Mm -hmm. love what they see when they first come to me, because I'm telling you to like, (laughs) not be friends with your ex. Like I'm telling you the things that like, and I will also preface this by saying my specialty is not people who are going through divorce with kids. So I like, that is, I love that that's your expertise because it's totally not mine. Right. When you talk about cutting ties and going no contact and listen, I have a lot of people who listen to my podcast who don't have kids. They're also going through a divorce, right? And there's still a lot of the same dynamics at play, but I like that you are making that distinction because it is different, right? It's, it is different. And also not always, right? Because just because you have kids with someone doesn't mean that you have to remain entwined with them, right? Like you can easily parallel parent. You can, I think that we can cut more cords than we think. That's what I I will say. I've learned a lot just from having this and, you know, learning from people who like you, who are like specializing in like the co-parenting and all that, those spaces, there are a lot more ties than to cut than we think. And I think a lot of it comes down to like a certain amount of willingness to be able to do that. I think breakups require, I mean, not a ton of willingness. 
I love like the willing to be willing. Like you just have to be willing to do things a little bit differently than you've been doing because otherwise I'm sure you get a lot of things of like, it's been X amount of time. Why aren't I, why aren't I feeling any differently? And you have to ask like, are you doing anything differently? Are you just sitting? There's that whole thing of like time takes care of everything. Time makes things a little bit easier, but like actions, the thing that changes. Right. Right. Because if you're, if it's time, but you're still doing the same things over and over again, it's not going to heal your wounds. Time doesn't heal wounds. Like active participation in a healing process heals your wounds. Exactly. Exactly. So you do, you recommend no contact. Uh, Yeah. If you're, I say, if you're able to, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what, what are the, what are the reasons So like, right, because I know a lot of people who are like, if I'm able to, well, I can't really because, right. And, and again, we're talking not with kids because you can't go completely no no contact with kids, but also you can go a lot more no contact than you think. Yeah. And it's the same thing. Like if you work with them, we make up a lot of excuses for why we can't when what we mean is it hurts and it's hard. And that's what I say. Like, I think people think because I talk about no contact so freely that I think it's just this easy thing. Like, oh, it's easy. Just stop talking to them. No, it's right. it's really hard. It's a long-term investment. It's not a quick, no contact is not a quick fix. That's right. By any means. Because the quick fix is something that would make you feel better. And having contact with your ex does make you feel a little bit better because it gives you those spikes of dopamine when you see their name on your on see their name on your phone and and things like that. So no contact is not it's not the quick fix, it's the long-term healing yeah. and I think the goal of a breakup is to learn how to live your life without that person as your partner, without that person in your life. So this is sounding a lot there are a lot of parallels that I'm that I'm drawing from this conversation about living with your ex and living without, say, drugs and alcohol. <laughs> right? yeah. There yeah. is this addiction to the dopamine, which is exactly the same. Right. So how are these things in your mind similar? I think they're it's so so I did a podcast episode like six months ago about, and I was like, I want to do a podcast on the similarities between getting sober and going through a breakup, thinking there'd be a couple. And the episode just like, there was so many similarities that just kept coming out as I was talking and recording. No contact is a huge one because, and look, I think there's different schools of thought about sobriety and cutting that stuff out. There's, I think, however Mm -hmm. you can do it, that works for you. Great. But what works for me is I didn't, I couldn't get sober by having a sip or three of alcohol on a Friday night. That just, that's not, that's not how it worked for me. I had to, I had to cut it all out and I had to learn, I had to learn how to live without it to the point where my life got really good without it. And then it got to a place where there was really no benefit of me ever having it again. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I mean, we did it in different ways because we've had this conversation behind the yeah. scenes. We we both got sober in different ways, but it's the same thing. Like I now think about alcohol and I'm like, why would I ever, why would I ever poison my body with that? First of all, why would I ever want that feeling ever again? Like I, it doesn't, it doesn't compute. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the initial hit of dopamine and the high, the initial high, because like, sure. (laughs) Right. It's everything else that goes with it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing too, is like, I don't think you give yourself the opportunity to let yourself know that you can do life without your ex. If you don't actually give yourself that chance, because if you keep talking to them, you'll never like, you'll, you may never believe you can live without them. Because I think a lot of people, when they're going through a breakup, they don't believe they can live without that person in their life. And you're just never going to be able to know that unless you try it. That's right. That's right. And sometimes you're forced in that into that position. I have a friend who, God love her, she was in a very intimate relationship with someone for 10 months and he ghosted her. And it was like really intimate. And she is in so much pain over it, obviously, 
but she was forced into that. Like she, like she doesn't have a choice now, but to like try find ways to heal. Right. But then there's those of us who are sort of forced to make the choice to leave a relationship because we know it's toxic. Right. But we keep wanting to like, but, but if he would just, then we would, then it would be right. But then he keeps not. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. right. And so when we have to, when we're the ones who, make that decision even if if the decision is made for us or we make it ourselves right there's still the process of cutting the thing out yeah and i understand right? why people are are very afraid to cut that because mm-hmm. at least for me in the past when i would get broken up with I, I, I just thought, I mean, I did this in a lot of ways. I just thought if I kept hanging around and continued to make myself available and just kept being like, I'm here. If you ever like change your mind, Mm. yeah, that commit, commit, I'm doing commitment in air quotes, that commitment that I kept (laughs) to like making sure my ex knew I was there and available in my mind felt like it would make them change their mind. Right. And so that's scary. And also you think yeah. if you keep contacting them, they're not going to find someone else. And I think a lot of it comes down to that too. And I think one of the biggest things for women is what if I never meet anyone else? Yeah. What if this is as good as it gets? Listen, I married my ex-husband and spent 10 years in a toxic relationship because I really thought that I couldn't that it, I, I couldn't find anything better and that like, what if I never meet anyone else? And I was like of baby making age and like, you know, what if I never meet anyone else in the next couple of years where I, you know, I've already invested five years. So, right. Like, do not recommend, do not recommend. But I think for women, it's this idea of what if I never meet anyone else? Yeah. Yeah. Especially if they, if you haven't had children and you want to have children and you're approaching that age of wanting children, it's, it can, it's very scary and it makes you feel like you'll take what you can get because you have a certain goal in mind. Right. Right. And that's very scary. It is very scary. And right. Like in terms of having kids, like for women, this is a real thing. Like it's real. Um, This is not a pretend thing that we make up. Like this is real. Yeah. And I find it. Oh my God. I love my favorite, my favorite thing I says with, I say with so much, so much sarcasm is when I see 50 year old men on dating sites that are like, I still want to have kids. So, and you know, get married and have kids someday. And I'm like, fuck you. Fuck you. Because you didn't when you were like 35. <laughs> so I broke someone's heart in the process. And now you're like, Oh shit. Well, now you're like, mm, I'm ready now, you know? And meanwhile, we don't get that. Exactly. You probably didn't have so- you robbed some woman of that opportunity when she was 35. So like, yeah, fuck you. (laughs) So, so that's real. And I I don't want to diminish it, but I also want to say that the, uh, you know, I think that there's so much systemic messaging in the idea that a woman without a man, like, what if I'm, what if I'm alone the rest of my life? Well, first of all, what if you are right? Like it's maybe not the ideal, but like, what if you are like, does that make you less of a person? Does that make you less of a human? Does that make you less of a woman? Does that right? Like I, w- and I say this somewhat defensively because people, people always say this to me, but like, what if I'm alone for the rest of my life? I'm like, dude, I'm alone. Like I'm 50. I, I don't know what's going to happen in my life, but I would way rather be alone than settle for something that doesn't work for me fully and completely. And I'm yeah. okay with that, right? I, I am I am more than okay with that. That is an active choice on my part. I think it's a really important place to get to where you are okay with that because I know for me, I spent so much of my life not okay, not in a relationship right. where when I was in relationships, not only would I put up with literally whatever, like I would put up with anything because I just wanted to be in a relationship versus now being in a relationship where I I know I'm fine on my own. Mm-hmm. I'm so much better able to stick up for myself. Like I have such a independence in my life from my husband. There's just so many benefits, even, even if you're not going to be 
on your own, there's so much benefit in finding contentment in that place. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have an interdependency in your relationship as opposed to a codependency, right? Because if I'm not okay on my own, I am deriving my life force and my sense of self from another person, which by the way, is not an attractive quality in a relationship and drives the other person away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that's how that works. And it's so (laughs) stressful. It's so stressful. So, I mean, there's so much pressure on the other person, right? There's so much pressure if they come home from work and they're in a bad mood and then your night's ruined because they're not right diving, you know, to see you and wanting, it's just, it's a very stressful for both parties in a relationship to, to be like that. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor today. For over a decade, I've helped divorcing moms put their children at the center of all of their decisions. So whenever I hear about moms struggling to co-parent with an ex that abuses alcohol, I have one system in mind, Soberlink. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they're not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test, so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Trust the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology to keep you informed and your kids safe and secure. To download the resource I created with Soberlink, Checklist for High Conflict Divorces, visit Soberlink.com slash DSG. And now back to our show. So, all right. So let's talk about, I mean, we talked, we touched on this a little bit, but I'm wondering if you have like steps or more specific sort of actions that people can to harness the pain mm. of their breakup yeah. for their advantage, for their healing. The first one is like the first thing I talk about in any of my courses is call, like ask for help, call your friends. I think that's mm-hmm. such, especially if you're someone that's not great at doing that. If you're, if you feel like a burden of asking for help. That's, this is the time to like do something different. Tell you, at least tell your friends what are, what's happening, what you're struggling with, ask for company, yes. ask, for, ask for what you need mm-hmm. at the time. Right. If you don't want to spend seven days a week on the floor in a curled up in a ball alone crying, like sometimes that's a really healthy and good thing to do. But like maybe not all the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. And I think mm-hmm. what people forget with, when it comes to asking for help from friends after a breakup is you're allowed to tell your friends exactly how you would like to be helped. Mm. You, you're you not just mm-hmm. you don't just have to accept whatever they'll give you if what they're doing is not helping. Sometimes it's hurt. Sometimes people are going to help you the way that they would like to be helped. So it's going to be different for everyone. You're allowed yeah. to say. I don't want you to trash talk my ex. Trash him. I don't want right. you to do That's that. A, I don't, I feel like nobody really wants that. No. But like, right. Like people do that all the time. People are like, oh my God, he was such an asshole. I hated him. Every time you went out of blah, blah, blah. Like, because God forbid this turns, first of all, God forbid it turns around and you get back together. Like, ew, that's kind of, that's awkward. But also it's, I mean, it's really not helpful, right? I will never forget the day after I had that, went through that breakup, my girlfriend was trying to help, bless her heart, totally trying to help, had great intentions. And she was like, let's list everything you didn't like about him. And I couldn't think of a single thing. And I just started bawling because I was like, I don't, I'm just not in that place. So you're allowed to tell people how you would like to be helped. I think that's huge. I think the second way you can harness that pain is start some rituals for yourself, whether that's Hmm. journaling in the morning, going for a walk every morning, every whatever, like whenever that works, going for a walk every day, like cooking for yourself, move your body. I think just like get exercise, get sunlight, right? The kind of the basics of self-care, right? Yeah. 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 So I think that's a great way to harness that. And then I think 
and this, this is going to come at very different times for very different people, but hire a therapist, like start working on what this breakup is triggering for you. Because I think a lot of the time breakups are going to trigger stuff from our childhood. And so I've always used breakups as a time to go see my therapist and really talk about like, what is this bringing up for me? So that way, because then I was able to start realizing what that was bringing up. Then I could examine my beliefs about it. And I think it just helped me. It helped me get a better grasp on what this breakup was doing to me. And it helped. It just gave me a little bit more power. And I think it's really important to like, there's a difference between look, if I think asking for help from your friends, whether that's like, get me out of the house and take me for a hike or get me, get me out of the house, take me out to dinner or come and sit with me and drink tea with me and let me cry. That's, that's one thing, but you also need to be doing the therapy work to be uncovering all the other stuff. Otherwise you put so much pressure on your friendships and you're using them as your therapists and they're not, they're not qualified for that they're not getting paid for that. Right. And it's a different, it's a different relationship. And then you can, if you have someone, a professional to talk to, whether it's a coach or a therapist, you can then use your friendships appropriately. That's such a good point because that's a question I get a lot is I feel like I'm a burden on my friends and I like to tell maybe you may be. Yeah. Especially Mm -hmm. like if you're only going to one friend, dumping everything on them, if you're expecting them to be your therapist, if they're giving you advice and you're not taking it and then you're just keep doing it and keep venting about it. I've had to have conversations with friends where I'll say like, I've expressed to you how I feel about it. I've give. if you're going to, you can't keep venting to me if you're not going to do anything about it. That's right. Good for you. I mean, those are boundaries, right? Yeah. And and also, by the way, I hate to say this. This is a little harsh, but I'm going to say it anyway. Maybe that's what was wrong in your relationship, too. Yeah. No, I I mean, it's, <laughs> right? yeah, I think our friendships are a mirror for our, I mean, anytime, anyway, we're relating to other people is like how we're acting in in relationships. And I think that's, I think that could very well be the case. And I think too, especially those that are coming out of relationships where they probably neglected a lot of their friendships during the relationship. That's a whole other thing too. That's right. That's right. You may have some amends to make in your friendship. If, if you're the kind of person who's like super codependent in relationships, that very often means that you have like given up your, all your friends to spend more time with your, with your partner and your friends may be a little pissed about that. Yeah. Right. So definitely acknowledging that is, I think, really important. So, okay. So getting, seeking help, right. Getting, talking to your, your friends, getting professional help, anything else, getting out, getting. I I, I also think breakups give us, I think they give us some guts that we, to do things Mm -hmm. we normally wouldn't do. So if there's like a class you've been wanting to try, if there's a trip you've been wanting to go on, I think a lot of this is like, re-getting to know ourselves yeah, and that requires trying things. So if there's a trip you've been wanting to go on, like book that, like do, do these things for yourself that are a little bit outside of your comfort zone. Um, that will give you something to look forward to. I think that's, I think that's hugely yeah. important. That's right. It's a little forward thinking, yeah. a little forward thinking and planning. Right. And then, and don't be afraid to take that trip alone. Right. Like I remember when I first got divorced, the first thing I did was I booked myself a trip to Hawaii alone because I had never, and I was like, this is important. I've never traveled alone. I've always been so codependent. Like I need this for myself. And, you know, it wasn't all like me running on a beach, (laughs) like happy. And (laughs) I remember I went, took this hike. I rented a car by myself. I drove to the to the top of the island to a waterfall and like a park and like went hiking through the park all by myself and then was like I'm going to swim out to that waterfall like it was in this pool and it was freezing cold and I was like I am going to do it I'm going to do it there was no one to take a picture of it (laughs) there's no photographic evidence of it right but I was like I'm gonna go swim out to that waterfall and get underneath it which by the way like I almost drowned yeah (laughs) I was going to say, I was like, I hope there was someone around. (laughs) There were people. 
there were people, but right. And these, and then there were nights where I sat in my hotel room, like, fuck, I don't want to go out to dinner again and be the only single person sitting at the luau. (laughs) That's really annoying. Right. So it's not all easy and it's not all fabulous, but I think it was, it was incredibly healing. And by the way, you don't need to go to Hawaii. You can you can go somewhere. Go to a hotel modest. by your house. I mean, go to go to a hotel. But yeah, just like whatever, right? But I do think that yeah, I love the idea of like trying like, taking a class, do, just doing something, getting out among the people, right? Because, like I said, sitting at home and like uh, crying on the floor every night is maybe not like again a couple nights a week, maybe. <laughs> but- yeah, there needs to be that like balance of allowing yourself to just sink it melts into the feelings and then and then there has to be the balance of of getting out there another thing I did a lot was I actually did a lot of volunteer work Mm. which was great for me on so many different levels because it made me feel it, it, it like made me feel more confident more like esteemable and more worthy which I dealt with a lot of feelings of not like very feeling very unworthy so I joined like a committee for a, you know, charity auction. So like things like that. And I met really cool Mm -hmm. people. It gave me things to do. So I think that that was really helpful for me as well. Yeah. Doing esteemable acts is one of the ways that we build self-esteem. And when our self-esteem is in the shitter after a breakup, that's definitely something being of service to others just gets you outside of yourself. I remember the first time I heard someone say that esteemable acts build self-esteem and I feel like my mind blew into a thousand pieces. (laughs) (laughs) Hilarious. All right. Let's talk about social media. Can we talk about social media? Yeah. So I always tell my people, tell me if you agree with this or disagree with this, but I always tell them unfriend everybody, just unfriend, unfriend their mothers, their fathers, their aunts, their them and if these are people that you're like, oh my God, but they're going to be like upset about it. Tell them first yeah, that this is for your own healing, right? Like what? Stop, te- stop checking their story yeah, all the time, right? Yeah. Do you agree with me on that? I agree a hundred percent. And I think it's interesting just more recently, I've been getting a lot of questions about fan, like your ex's family and all of those things, there may be some people from your ex's life that you'd like to maintain relationships with and that's okay. But I think there's a lot to be said about cutting off contact in the short term to preserve the long term. That's right. Yeah. It's like, Hey, you can go to the friend, the friends, you know, there was like my ex had friends with wives that I loved. And like, I was like, I, you know, I'd love to be able to stay friends with you, but Hey, in the beginning, I gotta be super tunnel. I gotta be like tunnel vision. I just, I can't do it in the beginning. Right. But like you said, the unfollow button, it's not permanent. You can always, you can always go back. Right. There, there are three options for you, right? There's unfollow, there's unfriend, and then there's block. Yeah. Right. And it, and it really, like all of them are undoable by the way but and I always say like people are like oh I don't want them to be offended and I'm like then tell them yeah this I, it's not that hard to say to someone listen I am so sorry but I need to take a break from our social media friendship because I can't risk seeing posts that are gonna like set me back to zero you're not doing anything wrong I don't want you to feel like you have to like alter your social media life for me. So I'm just going to take a step back and I I want to continue the friendship, but I just need a little space and a little time so to do my own healing so that I can write, like you said, like this is the long term. Yeah. And be direct and honest about it. Exactly. And I would honestly assume that like 99.9% of people would be completely understanding because we always have to remember that everyone's been through a breakup. Everyone knows these feelings. They know that if, you know, and I've had people who I've been connected to their exes and they've stopped following me or whatever that looks like. And it's like, I get it. I totally get it. It's, it's hard. If you, you know, if I'm out at a party and I take an Instagram story of your ex, like, I know that's going to hurt you. So I, I don't, I don't take offense to that. I think there's like this big thing of thinking it's being the bigger person to stay in those things. Cause they'll say, oh, that's so immature. 
And I'm like, I think it's far more immature to stay in a situation that's pain, that's hurtful to you. That's right. That's right. Self-care is not immature. Self-care no. is mature. And w- that is self-care. Yeah. Right. Setting boundaries for yourself saying, I know this is going to hurt me, so I am going to take a break. That is self-care. Yeah. Right. And it's far more mature, far more mature. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Or they'll say it's harsh to cut off. I'm like, it's so much harsher to you if you stay in that. So. Well, and also it's not harsh if you tell them. It's yeah. not harsh at all if you tell them. And and if you say it in, an, in a nice way that keeps it about you and not about them, right? So if you're like, you're always posting stuff about my ex and you like, then like, sure, that they're going to be like, what the fuck? But if you're, if you say, if you keep it in I language and keep it about yourself and say like, I'm protecting myself and you're doing nothing wrong, I need to take this step for, for my own growth and healing. Like, what are they going to say? <laughs> like, why? Right. Yeah. And a- along the same lines of That's that harsh. harsh. Yeah. And I think uh, like one more point to add to that. I think sometimes people think, well, what if, what if they want to get back together or what if this ruins my chance of getting back together with them? And I tell people like, if you do something for your own growth, your own healing to, to protect yourself and take care of yourself. And that's the deal breaker for a potential reconciliation. That's not your person. That is not your person. That's not your person. Say it again for everyone in the back. (laughs) That is not your person. Yeah. If you say I had to block you because I, it's too painful for me to, to stay in any kind of contact with you. And they're like, well, I was going to get back together, but now that you said that, no, it's like, okay, that's, that's not your person. Your person should want you to protect yourself and take care of yourself. Your person will say, I totally get it. I totally get it. I'm, I'm here if you ever change your mind or it feels like whatever, right? Like that's your person. Yeah. All right. Speaking of getting back together. Yeah. (laughs) When, or is this ever a good idea? Yeah. And this is, this is always a very funny question for me because I, I am, I'm married to my ex. And so (laughs) I'm always like, all right, let's. So there you how go. How do we address this without being a total hypocrite? So I think there are certain conditions and certain circumstances. I recorded an episode about me getting back together with my ex, and literally there was like 15 minutes of disclaimers before I even jumped into the story. <laughs> but I think it's possible. I will never say like never get back together with an ex because that's just not. I don't know. That's just, that's not realistic. I think a lot of it depends on why you broke up in the first place. I think that's like, that's a big thing. In my instance, we broke up because at that time he could not see himself getting married or having kids. So it wasn't, Mm -hmm. he didn't, he didn't hurt. I mean, it hurt me, but he didn't intentionally really hurt me. He just said the truth. He just told his truth. Right. And it just didn't work out. Mm -hmm. I think, I think time in this case is actually very important. Like, I don't think if you break up in three weeks later, you want to change your mind. It's a good idea because nothing's changed. Right. Right. Nothing Mm -hmm. can really change in three weeks. Let's, let's hold that point for a minute because this is something I hear all the time, all the, all the, all the time is I told him I want a divorce and now he's reading all the books and he's being so... (laughs) great. He's totally changed. Yeah. Has he really totally changed Kendra? No, it's just, it's like, even if I were to enroll in twice a week therapy and like, I wouldn't change in three weeks. It's just like, that's just not how even like biologically, like it takes a while for like new habits to form and like new, like neural pathways pathways. and all of those things. Right. So time, time is big. So you have to consider why did you break up and then has enough time passed where that could change, where those circumstances could change. Cause alt- otherwise you're going to be in the, and you probably see this a lot. You're going to end up 
the same, you're going to end up in the exact same situation, maybe like That's six right. months later, a year later. Or, or three weeks later. Or three weeks, <laughs> or three weeks later. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Because often it's a tactic, right? It's yeah. often a tactic to like maintain power and control. And so they're like, I've changed, I'm doing the work. And then you're like, okay, I'll get back together with you. And what I always say is, sh- let them give them enough time to show you. Yeah. Not tell you, but show you, which is usually three to six months and then get back together with them. Yeah. Don't get back together when they say they're doing it, when they're not really doing it, stand back and wait. That's another big thing that I tell people is to, that's, it's not a decision to rush. It's a decision to, it's not a decision to make impulsively. So, and it's kind it's like the exact same thing. If you tell them, thank you for saying all that, I'm going to need some time to process this. I need some time to think about it. And they say now or never, not your person. Again, it's like, it's just like another litmus test of like, not your person and not doing the work that they're telling you that they're doing. (laughs) Obviously. Yeah. Right. If you say, okay, thank you. I'm really happy that that's the case. I still want to like maintain the separation for like three months. Cause I really like, let's, let's see how this lands for both of us. Someone who's really doing the work will be like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. I'm like, I am here to prove to you that I'm committed, right? Not your person will be like three months, six months. What the fuck? Like that's bullshit, right? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And then I think the last thing too is like, what, like what frame of mind are you coming from to get back together? Are you coming from the frame of mind of I'm lonely, I miss like I miss them or are you coming from a place of, I I actually feel like I'm starting to feel like, okay, this person adds so much value to my already good life. It, it's like, you shouldn't make the decision back. If like, you're trying to get back, like you're missing puzzle piece or like, you know, something like that. It's, it's That's really right. should be like a value add decision. That's right. That's right. And what if you feel like this is your soulmate? Like you have this connection, this like soul connection. It's so funny. I don't know how you feel about the term soulmate. It's like, so not my, it's just so not my thing. So not my thing. thing. (laughs) I think it's bullshit. (laughs) Well, it's honestly, I, I think soulmate is used primarily for people that like want to get back together with an ex or to justify super shitty behavior. Yes. Or to explain a trauma bond. Yes. That, yeah. Right. Like, so it's like, it, I feel like I can't breathe when I'm apart from him and when we're together, it makes everything right. Like the world, I used to like the world turns on its axis, right? It's like back on its axis and like, right. And it's like, okay, that's fucking codependency. <laughs> that is, that is a trauma bond. That is like, if you can't breathe without someone, Girl, you need to spend a lot of time learning how to breathe without anyone. Yeah. That's a, yes. That's a, that should be a snippet that should be used a lot. (laughs) That one should be saved. (laughs) And I, the other reason I don't like the word soulmate is it makes it sound like you only have one. There's only one. There's only Mm -hmm. one. It's like, no, I, I don't care. Whenever you break up with someone, that they don't suck away your chance at finding love. Like that's just not, that's I don't right. know. To me, that's just like not how that works. So, so yeah, so I'm just not a big fan of that, of like soulmate. And I think if you feel like, like you said, you have to have that person. I can't, I can't breathe without them. I can't picture my life without them. That's a, probably a really good indication that you need to be by yourself. Yeah. That's an addiction. Yeah. Back to the sobriety conversation. That's yeah. addiction. That's not healthy that's not a healthy relationship that's addiction yeah which is basically the the core premise of a trauma bond is the addiction to the cycle of uh withholding and giving of love yeah so so it's addiction yep unfortunately your brain is addicted to the cycle and the dopamine hits that you get after it's withheld yeah and that's why people get stuck in the cycle of breaking up and getting back together all over and over again because it's like the feeling when they call and you get back together and you have your makeup sex and like all that yep. stuff. It's like the, it's the best feeling ever. And then you crash and it's the worst feeling ever. Like your relationship should not be 
constant up and down. Like, yeah, there's going to be up and downs, but like it should look a little straighter of a line. That's right. That's right. If it's extreme highs and extreme lows, I had my, my ex-boyfriend that I had a serious trauma bond with. He used to say, he's like, it's the most exhilarating highest highs of any relationship I've ever had. And then like the most awful, awful lows. And it really was. And and if you have that kind of peaks and valleys, like not, not okay. Not healthy. Yeah. Super bad. Yeah. Um, Okay. Breakup bestie. What are some parting words for our, for our listeners on getting through breakups? I always like to remind people that the pain is going to pass. You're Mm. just, it's like pain can never exist forever in its current form. Mm. That's always like what I like to end things with. And I always like to remind people, and I will also acknowledge this by saying like, if this next phrase makes you feel like you want to throw up, that's fine. Or roll your eyes. That's also fine. But I just believe that every breakup at some point ends up being like the hugest, like the biggest blessing in one, in one form or another, whether it's something you discover about yourself, a new person that you get to meet. Like I've just seen it all. People change careers after a breakup and they finally go to their dream career. They finally move to the place that they've always wanted to move. It's like, there are just so many amazing things that can come out of this. And yes, it takes some time and it takes some action to heal and be able to see those things, but it's there. Amen, sister. I love it. Where can people find you? Best way to find me would be on Instagram. It's um, at your breakup bestie. And then at my my website's breakupbestie.com. You can find my podcast on there, my courses, pretty much anything you need to know about me is on that website. Kendra, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. I love talking to you always. And I am so glad that we're in this space and in the sphere together. Thank you so much for having me, Kate. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.